Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and welcome to Ready to be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. This week, I speak to former model and media personality, Holly Carpenter. So I kind of actually think that this has taught me that it's who you surround yourself with is so important. Yeah. And I think I relied on that more because I didn't have my parents to lean on. So I was like, oh no, I really have to be careful who I'm around because if I'm with someone who makes me anxious or if I have a friend that's kind of always kind of getting sly digs in or, you know, when you're with people, you feel like you have to watch what you're saying. Mm. So I kind of, I've kind of probably kept my circle really small and I'm with people who take me fully as I am. And I can just relax with them and know that they support me and I support them. So I think I just look for quality over quantity with everything now. Holly lives in Stony Batter in Dublin with her dog Max and has been in a relationship since October. But over the past 14 months, she's had many ups and downs and has been very honest about her struggles with her mental health and the impact the pandemic had on her overall well-being. She's genuine, sensitive and naturally funny. And in this candid conversation, she talks about the years she spent modelling, competing at the Miss World pageant, taking part in Britain's Next Top Model and the toll it all took on her. She also talks about the damage of toxic positivity, being separated from her parents for over a year, dating in a pandemic, her newfound love of sea swimming and how she's not a fan of the five-year plan. Here it is. You strike me as somebody who's a real truth teller. Would I be right in thinking that? Yeah, I've never really struggled with saying what I think, I suppose you could say. Um, and I have always felt that there's nothing better than being honest. And I think maybe it's because when I was growing up, my mum and dad always told me not to lie. And I took that very seriously. Yeah. So I don't, I think that I always thought lying was really bold. So if I'm asked a question, I just answer it. And like, it has probably gotten me in trouble a bit over the years because maybe there's a bit of a lack of filter. But I think that even when I look back at things going, should I have said that? At least I can say fully that that's what I felt at the time. Because I think it makes me really nervous if I'm talking to someone and I don't know where I stand. That's yeah. the kind of thing that makes me anxious. I love when you know that person likes me, that person doesn't like me, whatever. If I'm in a grey area in any aspect of my life, I find totally it really agree. uncomfortable. But I think there's definitely 
definitely been probably parts of my life where I've kind of felt the need to be a bit more reserved or silent. And that's when I've probably struggled the most because I, you know, when you know you're not being your authentic self, it definitely affects your self-esteem and your confidence and you just feel a bit on edge. So even if being really open and honest isn't everyone's cup of tea, it just, it it sits well with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you struggle with diplomacy? I think I can be kind of good at warming up to be diplomatic and saying all the things like, look, you know, I'm not being bad and I'm only saying this as a friend and all of that kind of stuff leads up to it. But then I'll just say it and it can probably be a lot. But, you know, some of my friends will ask me for advice or they'll be like, well, I know what you would have said if I asked you, you would have told me not to text him, but I did text him and this is what I said. And I'm like, well, you know, I would have said don't do it or, you know, that kind of thing. So they know that they're going to get the answer they might not want to hear. So they'll probably just sometimes do the thing first and then come to me and be like, okay, I did it. I text him again. And I'm like, no. But yeah, I think um, that would be true. I kind of can try to be diplomatic, but I'm very more to the point. I don't want to dance around things for too long. Yeah. I, I, I just find that with a lot of people that I speak to, they can, if, if, if say being a truth teller was on one side of the scale and a people pleaser was on the other, a lot of people seem to fit into the people pleaser mold more than the one that kind of tells it as it is. And I think a lot of us have to work to get to where you're at now. Mm. Was it simply just your upbringing? You think it was just it was ingrained in you from an early age? I do think it was in terms of being outspoken or saying what I feel. I think that was definitely just the environment I was brought up in. My mum's strong woman, like my granny, Terry, obviously was a very outspoken, strong woman as well. Um, so that was not the issue. But I do think I fall under the people pleaser category a little bit in terms of if I'm invited to things, I feel like I have to say yes. And I think that's something that a lot of people are feeling with the pandemic now with, you know, the bars and stuff opening again soon and things lifting and all everyone's like, do you want to do this? Will we have this reservation? Will we do this? Will we have a picnic? Will I have a barbecue? And we're not used to it at the moment. And I, my friend Nadia was like to me, just remember, you don't have to say yes to everything. Yeah, yeah. You can just say, do you know what, um, I can't make it on Friday, but let's meet up next week. And you don't have to give an excuse. I just can't make it on Friday. I'll say, oh, do you know, should I say that, uh, you know, I'm busy doing work or that I have plans already? I'm trying to get better at not justifying my choices and just saying I can't make it. Mm. There's an importance in that, isn't there? Being able to say yes, but also being able to say no when it's the right thing for you. And yeah. as you said, because I've def- I'm just thinking of my own situations where I may have not wanted to do something and, mm-hmm. and unfortunately I, I've probably made up an excuse. Yeah. That, that is again not being truthful but I, I feel like I had to. I think it's an Irish thing as well though because people were very much like ah go on you will come on come along like mm. we're very insi- like we, we push each other to do stuff like you will have a drink come on come out so you kind of do sometimes have to tell a white lie just yeah. to get out of things and I hate doing it because sometimes it's not enough to say I just can't make it as your friends will pry a bit but yeah I don't know I think I remember I had a counsellor years ago one of them one of them and um, she said to me every time you say yes to something you don't want to do you're saying no to Holly Yes, and you're just brilliant. not listening to yourself and I mm. always am a believer in your gut instinct and if your gut is saying you don't want to do that don't go but your mouth is saying yeah sure I'll be there I'll come early and help you set up I'm like why did I just say that yeah <laughs> and then it will take its toll mm-hmm. in the long term yeah if you keep denying what you really want exactly and I find you can build resentments to people a little bit then because you're like why are they making me do this but you know you could have said no mm. so it's funny I think that's something that I've learned from growing up like coming closer to 30 now I'm trying to be wiser with sticking with what I genuinely want to do. Well, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you on the podcast, because I do think you're wise beyond your years. And I really mean that. Um, Like, honestly, if I had an ounce of your cop on a maturity at your age, I would have been laughing because I didn't really get there until well into my 30s. Mm. I feel like you're in a really brilliant place. Like, I'm personally, I'm really excited for your 30s because I feel like you're approaching your 30th birthday in October. Isn't that right? Yeah. And like, you've already... You've done a lot of work on yourself by the sound of things. You already have a really good sense of who you are at this stage. Yeah, I kind of laughed there when you said that I have cop on because cop on is probably what my dad always tells me. He's like, Holly, would you cop on? (laughs) And, you know, like I kind of feel like it's funny when you come to a parent daughter relationship because you feel like, you know, you're being told to cop on. But I'm like, I actually do have cop on. So I'm like, no, sorry, dad. Sheila Shoga said that I have cop on. (laughs) So you can never say it to me again. Um, But I do like the sound of me being wise. I guess I was kind of went straight from like being a, a college student in NCAD to being Miss Ireland. Yeah. And that was a, a leap from, you know, sitting on the ground in the courtyard in NCAD, drinking cans and wearing no makeup and being with my friends. And then suddenly you're at the VIP Style Awards. You're yeah. you're kind of amongst all these people you grew up watching on TV, like Westlife and Boyzone would be there. You know, you're getting your photo taken. And I guess that like, as much as those things don't really matter in the grand scheme of life, it just career-wise, it put me in a position where I suddenly had to cop on. Mm. Yeah. And like, what were you, 19, 20? I was 19 when I won Miss Ireland, yeah. 
so I then I was so 20 young. I yeah. was 20 at Miss World because it was in November but yeah it was just like mad how it all happened yeah and I I, I would imagine you could probably we could probably record a whole podcast on just talking about the Miss World experience yeah. and the behind the scenes of because I, I we've heard as outsiders a lot about these beauty pageants and yeah. the amount of work that goes into them particularly certain countries around the world it's big business you know yeah. winning these competitions is, is is a difference between a life of poverty and, oh. and and a complete change of life 100% I think that's why you know if there was ever a group photo opportunity or something you'd get an elbow in the ribs almost from some of those girls because they want to be at the front row they've changed their outfit for the third time that day they've got yeah. everything ready and it's just a chance for them like you said to get out of the situation they're in whereas Irish girls go over there and I we're lucky where we live you know in this country that we're coming from a safe country you know we're, we're there to represent and we want our families to be proud of us and stuff but we don't have that pressure but I think like a lot of people think you fly over to Miss World you do the pageant and you come back but it's three weeks that you're there mm. and it's constant like dress rehearsals random things but like I always think that if you ever got a chance to spend three weeks with one person representing almost every country like well about 110 countries yeah. like so I learned so much about different cultures and just speaking to different girls and like you know it kind of a lot of in a lot of ways it made me really appreciate our country and mm. you know the the way even though we've still I think a long way to come but the way women are respected here and there isn't actually obviously as much pressure you know in Ireland to get married and have kids and stuff as some of the other countries like some of the other girls I was speaking to were the same age as me 20 and they were like well I have to find a husband right after this and all this stuff and I was yeah, like what wow. was it was it mad I mean I just have this I suppose and again I'm perhaps making an unfair assumption so apologies if I am, but I would imagine the the pressure because it's it's fundamentally about you, the aesthetics, how you look. Of course, it's yeah. all about your outward beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not all about that, but a huge part of it is obviously. That must have been unbelievable pressure. Yeah, I definitely. And I think it depends on how your personality is and how much pressure you put on yourself. But yeah. I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself. And, and also you were so young. Yeah. And it's not just like how you're posing in a picture in that few seconds. It's at breakfast, your posture, your outfit for breakfast, how much you eat at lunch, the way you carry yourself with the other girls, how popular you are. So it does obviously make you feel like you've been thrown in the deep end. And I remember I didn't even have eyelash extensions or, you know, I wasn't that advanced with all that. And there were girls with nose jobs boob jobs you know filler and everything even though it says in the rules you can't have that and I'm very much like you do what you want with your face and body but it was just like you there was girls who were just like built for pageants and they have been in pageant school since they were six years old and they have it nailed so I think in a way a part of me understood that it wasn't real anytime I got really caught up in it I was like this is not real life you know most people you meet are not this level of perfection but then I kind of found my little circle I was friends with Miss England and Miss Norway my roommate it goes alphabetically so Israel and Ireland were roommates um, and Ella had like perfect English and we got on so well and I follow them all still on Instagram and so we kind of all know like there were certain things we had to do we'd look at each other and roll our eyes and you know practicing the wave and stuff and I was glad I found a click that found some of it funny yeah you know so it was kind of nice I think if I was to ever try and really really go for it I think you could probably do long-term damage trying to actually keep up to that level you know I was glad I was able to have the crack and Mm. I was lucky when Rosanna Davison did it it was in China and she was away from her family for so long in China and obviously like it's just completely different over there so far from home but when I did it it was in London so my mum and dad and my brother and everyone could come and see it okay great so it was nice it was nice to know that you were that little bit closer well a little bit a lot closer to home yeah and I think it's important to have a sense of humour something you absolutely have in abundance (laughs) one of the things I've always observed about you is that you have a cracking sense of humour really dry wit Um, did they get you did they get your sense of humour oh there's definitely a lot of them didn't okay (laughs) yeah because I think (laughs) Irish people like you kind of slag each other yeah totally and you know we're very much like you know just love the crack and yeah, like, rip, rip, yeah rip the piss out of each other piss, like and it's a lot of cultures don't understand that and they no. can find it kind of offensive <laughs> which I learned um <laughs> so yeah definitely it was interesting and also like I remember Miss Moldova I think it was was so lovely but her delivery was so you know Irish people almost apologize for everything we're like sorry excuse me do you mind yeah, passing yeah. me that oh thanks a million <laughs> whereas she's like give me that and like she's not even being rude she's just asking me to give her something yeah. but like it's and I kind of like I found it really shocking if someone spoke to me like that here yeah. I think they were just being really rude <laughs> yeah. but they were probably like why is Miss Ireland apologizing for yeah, everything yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> like sorry sorry do you know it's it's funny when you put us all together I, yeah. I wish someone had done a documentary on it or something just so, so I could watch it back because even when I went to Miss World I don't even think I had Instagram it was 2011 so mm. it was very much right before social media really took over yeah. so I don't have that many pictures or anything like that we didn't have Instagram stories then yeah. um so I don't have too many pictures but I would like to have been able to look at back at it a bit more yeah what was the pressure like on 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 you personally though to I, I look a certain way um I think I definitely felt a lot of pressure to lose weight I think Miss World was more about in terms of if you were to say about being pretty but it was more when I went on when I was 23 to do Britain's Next Top Model, which was about being a model. So that, to my mind, was about being skinny. So that's when the body image stuff really started for me um, because I was like, you know, modeling is about high fashion modeling. You should be thin. So that's probably 23 was when I started to really struggle with it. I think I probably still had a really good metabolism at 20 when I went to Miss World. So I wasn't too worried, but I still was probably hard myself. But yeah. And I also think as well, I felt like overnight I went from someone who people were like, oh, that's Holly. Like she's just, you know, she's in college. She, she was gas in school, complete messer. She's in art college, la la la. To like, oh, she's Miss Ireland. She must think she's the absolute shit. Like the state where it's okay. a bit cringe that she's doing pageants. And like, I suppose when you have that title, people presume that you are up yourself. And so I think I and I could walk into a room and think, oh, Jesus, everyone in here thinks I'm so into myself. And like they might not have been thinking that. But it's funny, the things that you worry about when you're in a crowd. And I wasn't used to that. So I suppose I was more concerned about my people's perception of me changing. And then also, as I went on, the pressure of kind of starting to get try and get thin for Britain's Next Top Model. Mm. Before we get into that, actually, just touched on something there that I think is probably something that you know, maybe the likes of you and Roseanne and different people who have achieved a lot in Mm. their careers in terms of the period of time when they've been modelling or whatever they've been doing, but Mm -hmm. anything that's been based on how they look. Do do we make assumptions? I mean, what kind of assumptions have been made about you incorrectly? Um, Oh God, I'd say there's a lot. So many? I think it's funny because back then there was the era of like the Irish model and there was all the photo calls and you know some of them were ridiculous some of them were gas and we were all actually mostly able to laugh at ourselves and be like oh my god I did a photo call the other day and I had to have like an inflatable pineapple I was standing on Grafton Street I was scarlet like we'd all laugh at it but I think the papers were like the Irish models and they were kind of slagging them a bit which I noticed didn't happen to a lot of men I think it was like more that they were easy targets women yeah, you know funny that that, eh? it's funny don't get me started and I was yeah. just like oh here we go so it was like I felt a bit unprotected I think like as a model back then because you didn't really know what jobs you were walking into and you just felt like I noticed anytime I saw you know anyone who was a man being interviewed or whatever they'd have someone by their side they'd control the questions and stuff like that and I remember being 21 and arriving at a photo call didn't know what it was for and they had a rugby kit for me and three journalists and they asked me like, oh, you know, do you hope Ireland wins at the weekend? And I was like, well, yeah. And I literally just said, yeah, I do. And then I was like, look, I have to go. And then the picture was me wearing a rugby kit going, Holly hopes Ireland wins the match this weekend. And I was just yeah. like, oh, my God. And all the comments online were like, oh, my God, she's so desperate. Look at her wearing the gear, like trying to be a wag and all this. And people just don't actually give you the benefit of a doubt. No, that they don't. Maybe I didn't have. And now if I arrived at any job and I didn't want to do something, I'd be like, I'm absolutely not doing that. But when you're 21 and you're like, you have to do this like this. Yeah. You know, so there was times where I was pressured into things and then, you know, or misquoted. That's one thing that drives me mad if you're misquoted and the comments just tear you apart. Mm. So I've kind of gone on a tangent there, but I think no, I hear you. Yeah, I think I worry that all that kind of makes me worry that there's a preconception and that people might think you're vain. You're not intelligent. You're stuck up. You don't really have like morals or a real kind of sense of reality and you know you just get your nails done and that's all you do all day so that's kind of what I was worried about people thought instantly so when you did Britain's Next Top Model I mean that was huge because the show was massive Mm -hmm. obviously there was the the original the Tyra Banks one in in the States and then it just became this global phenomenon um I mean even getting into the final the the final what 14 14 yeah yeah that I mean that that in itself was a huge achievement oh yeah thanks I was delighted because I saw in the credits of one that I was watching if you want to apply for next year's and I was like you know what I'm just going to apply and I didn't tell anyone and when I went for the interview they were like if we pick you for this show you have to not tell us all because it's pre-recorded and we'll just edit you out so there was a lot of like secrecy around it and like just leaving Dublin to go for a few weeks like had to make up lies to all my friends and stuff but I just remember I lost the run of myself before going because I just felt like 
you know when you put so much pressure on something mm. and I was like training with a personal trainer twice a day I was drinking black coffee I was chain smoking I was taking laxatives I was doing anything that I thought right, yeah, yeah, would yeah, literally yeah. make the weight fall off me and I didn't care if it was bad for me like in that sense and you were probably extremely I was so thin to yeah. Begin with. yeah and I remember my period stopped and I was like what the hell like this is really weird it was about two or three months and I went to the doctor and he was like you're underweight and I remember you know, I did not feel like I was underweight. I thought he was lying to me. I was like, my mum was like, Holly, you have body dysmorphia. Yeah. And like, I never got to the stage where I looked visibly ill. And that's one thing I always stress about any sort of like eating disorder or, you know, issues around food is the person doesn't have to be extremely small or extremely large. Yeah. Everyone has their healthy weight and everyone has a weight that their body can keep them at. And for me, I'd reached a point where my body was like, something's up, this isn't right. So, and I remember I was actually so in my head about it that I was like, well, this is kind of handy that I'm not getting my period because I won't be bloated. I won't have to worry about being bloated for any photo shoots. And like, that's okay. the way I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah. And I look back now and I'm like, that is absolutely mental. So, you know, and then after the show, when it all finished, I came seventh, I think. And I felt like all I wanted to do after it was eat. I was like, oh, yeah, I yeah. have this time off now. I'm just going to eat. And like, then you're just like eating loads because you're like, you know, you want to binge eat, you know, and then after you do that, you feel guilty. So I definitely fell into this mad kind of cycle. And I think even though there's a lot more awareness around eating now and, you know, eating disorders now, I still think it's something really uncomfortable for women to talk about because you feel like weirdly ashamed of it, mm. do you know, and you shouldn't. So, and I know men get it too. So I think that that was something where, Back then, it wasn't discussed. There weren't really podcasts. There wasn't that kind of self-love wave going on social media. So I felt like probably kind of lonely with it, yeah. you know, that way. And I knew there was girls that were definitely struggling with it too. But they, like a big thing about it would be lying about how much you ate. So they'd be like, oh, you know, last night I just had like dominoes and stuff. And I know they didn't. And I'd be like, oh yeah, like I had, you know, the pancakes for breakfast and I hadn't. Like it's a really warped kind of okay, thing. Yeah. And it can kind of affect your relationships with your family. Because I remember being at Sunday roasts and stuff. And I'd be really angry that my mum had made like roast potatoes and cauliflower cheese all the stuff I love because I'd have a shoot on the Monday so I'd be sitting there annoyed that there was all this food around me that I couldn't eat and it just made me really snappy with my family and then obviously I felt bad so it's kind of a really hard situation to understand and like it kind of I felt like if I spoke about it people would be like why are you so obsessed with yourself you know there's people dying in the world and you're worried about your weight I felt like you know it's not a big enough thing to talk about, mm. but it actually was consuming me. So I think it just took for me to grow up a bit. And then at 24, I was like, I just don't want to model anymore. I could have kept going probably, um, and but I just wasn't enjoying it. It wasn't making me happy. It was getting to the point where I was like, is this always going to be the cycle for me where I get to a weight, I think I'm going to be happy at this weight, then I'm not happy, then I fluctuate again. And then someone says one thing that triggers me. And you know, like there, some of yeah. the things, like another thing about modeling I will say is that like, you're not very well, like I said before protected in the fact that if you're in a work environment in a lot of companies and your boss says something to you that's out of order you can you know go to the head office or you can sue or you can make an issue or a complaint but the things that are said in those agencies to, to young girls you know you just have to take it and some of the stuff is really harsh like even yeah. if if they think you've gone up a, a size or if your skin isn't great like I'm sure there are lovely model agencies out there but some of the people I dealt with I look back now and I'm like oh my god you were X years old and you spoke to a 20 year old girl like that do you know what I mean yeah of course so I'm, I'm only imagining it, what it must be like to be on the receiving end of commentary like that when is it that they don't see models as 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 number one human and young yeah. young women young girls is it just their objects or things to mm. benefit or make money from exactly I think if they're kind of probably thinking if Holly stays as these measurements and her skin stays clear the more money I make so there's a lack of compassion I felt at the time we're going well maybe there's a reason she's gained a bit of weight or maybe she's stressed and that's why her skin has broke out or broken yeah, out yeah, yeah. you know there was none of that so I kind of just felt like this sigh of relief when I quit and I think that now obviously I still would do the odd photo shoot where it's with something that I'm talking about you know if I'm doing an interview and it's it's kind of like I have a bit more control and I say I'd love to wear that I don't think that's me and I feel like I can be myself so it's definitely I think just from 20 to 24 was a bit of a whirlwind where I was like what is going on mm. <laughs> I, I, do you know what I, I'm really glad that you brought up you know because you've really just we've only just dipped our toe into speaking about disordered eating but it's something that I've personally been doing a lot of you know reading and listening um, to different experiences about because I want to learn more and it's something I want to um, delve into further on the podcast because I think it's really important particularly in the now I think in this year of isolation and a lot of us being living mm. a hermit life 
I'm hearing a lot of stories where there's everything from one end of the spectrum, which is your anorexia, mm. bulimia, perhaps, and then people who are binge eating. And but it's all born out of a lack of of mental balance, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. And I think whenever I would binge eat, I'm kind of an extremist, I think sometimes. And I was very much at all or nothing when it came to food. And then if I was you know, you're kind of essentially filling a hole. And then if I wasn't doing it with food, I'd do it with alcohol mm. or something like that, or like attention or, you know, there's something. And then I have to kind of stop myself and go, why am I looking for something like, and I think with the pandemic, we were all forced to just sit with ourselves. And like for a lot of people, that's really scary because sometimes like people would be rushing around and they actually like to be running from A to B to C and just being frantic and going to the gym and going for a night out and meeting people for cocktails. And the next day we're doing it again and or whatever your buzz is. And when all of our crutches were removed from us and you couldn't rely on your friends you couldn't go out for drinks couldn't go to the gym I felt like that's when it was like we were forced to do self-discovery whether you were ready or not yeah absolutely that's that's a that's a brilliant sentence and some people are terrified about Mm -hmm. you know shining the light inward and and as you said delving into self-discovery because it's not easy no of course there's things about yourself you don't want to admit or you don't want to really look into too far absolutely um And like with regards to people leaning on food potentially during lockdown, then there's the whole, you know, stress of thinking, oh, my God, is everyone going to think now when things are lifting that I've let myself go or, you know, how and, you know, there's just I think it's sad that it comes a lot of it comes back to image. But I do think there's definitely more pressure on women. And I think a lot of guys, I'm sure, are feeling it, too. But I think there's definitely more pressure on women, of course. And you've been talking about your own personal experience that in one way might seem extreme to some people listening, you know, um, you know, the working out, the having the coffee, Mm. the taking the laxatives or whatever. But I think the majority of us, if we were truly honest, because this is why since reading and listening to so many different uh, opinions and experiences Mm -hmm. about disordered eating, I've had a disordered relationship with food myself. Mm. And I thought before that it was totally grand, totally fine. But as somebody who kind of goes up and down weight for mm. various different reasons, I've realized that sometimes my attitude with food isn't entirely healthy. Mm. And it doesn't mean that it's extreme, but it's enough that it requires probably a little bit of observation and awareness about. And I think if we were all really honest with ourselves, it is probably something that impacts far more people than they realize themselves. I think so. And I think that sometimes I can have an attitude like, you know, when you go, oh, my God, I didn't even eat that much today by accident and then I'm like oh maybe I could actually try and do the same tomorrow and I have to stop myself and go no you need to have a big dinner because you literally haven't eaten enough today because you're busy or you know if someone compliments you on your weight it can almost be triggering like god you look like you've lost weight and maybe you've lost weight because you're stressed but then you're like Jesus I'm getting all these compliments and I do think that there's a lot of that so that's why sometimes it does kind of bother me a little bit when I see people online acting as if they're fully healed from their past eating disorder because they're like I used to have these issues with food and now I just you know took up the gym and I eat loads and I'm really happy and I think for me my acceptance around it is that it's probably something that'll be underlying a little bit there all the time and maybe sometimes it'll get triggered and I'll have to have self-awareness and, and kind of like look at it and deal with it because I just don't think that you can be so fascinated and obsessed by something for years and then just be healed I think that sometimes Instagram kind of glamorizes the recovery of eating disorders because they make it look like it's all you have to do is start eating again and go to the gym and love yourself and jump in the sea Mm. and I'm like that's not all that's not going to do it for me anyway and if there are people who are fully healed that's great but I just think it's something that you're for me I'm better off accepting that it could kind of come up again to be more aware of it and that makes me less afraid of it because it makes me feel like I'm in control that makes sense mm. yeah so that if, if there is something that does trigger you, you could probably quicker at saying, OK, well, I know what I need to do to mind myself because I can see that if I go down that road, it'll be a slippery slope. Yeah, that exactly. is probably healthier and more proactive, I would imagine, than assuming that you're Grant. Yeah, because that's when you can you can get blindsided, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Makes total sense. Um, so this past, I, 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 I can't, can't even say a year because it's more than a year. What is it? 14, 15 months has been absolutely mental. And I know. <laughs> none of us, as we were saying before we started recording the podcast, if we had known you were saying like, you know, last uh, St. Patrick's Day that we didn't have Paddy's Day Parade. And if we were told then that we wouldn't have one a year later, what that would have done to us. I don't think any of us would have been able to handle it. But you have gone through and I hate using the term because it's so yeah. overused, but a journey. You've got I've had a spiritual journey. You have. <laughs> <laughs> but you have. 
have like following you as an outsider just simply following your stories mm-hmm. which I know is only a, a part a glimpse rather than the full picture in someone's life but also hearing from you over the past year it sounds like you've really embraced being completely real mm-hmm. and um showing that it's not always sunshine and flowers every single day yeah. and that you know you've you've had a challenging time with it which I think is really refreshing to hear because truthfully it's probably been like that for a lot of people or most people yeah I think it was I think it was so up and down for everyone and I think the timeline of the way it happened for me and I always kind of I don't know what it is about me I feel bad talking about anything that I found hard because then I go no Jesus there's probably people listening and they are a single mom and it was way harder for them or you know it's all relative exactly yeah so I remember I went to London and I the trip I was in in London was a complete mess and I missed my flight home and then there was no other flights I'd stay in a Hilton on my own and then I went out with my cousin missed my flight came home and I was on my phone and my mum said you know sit down your dad has something to say to you and then my dad told me and now he's fine he's okay now but he said he had blood cancer Mm -hmm. so he told me about his cancer and when was that home that was just kind of I guess January would it have been or February yeah January February so yeah we were kind of talking about COVID I think then but none of us really knew what was around the corner and yeah. I had just moved in on New Year's Day to my new place like living on my own and but I would always be very much like coming home every Sunday for a roast randomly arriving on a Wednesday just being like needy to my parents and me and my mom are so close and I am with my dad as well but like I just love always being with them mm. so dad was like I'm gonna fully cocoon now because I'm just kind of scared of all this so yeah. Um, I went back to the house and then we went into full lockdown and I remember being like I'm literally the house wasn't even fully furnished or anything I just kind of had a few bits of furniture and I didn't know anyone on my street and I was like oh my god what because some of my friends were saying you know they were doing their research and they're like this couldn't be a few months like this might be a six month thing you know obviously they were trying to keep us calm on the news and in parts but I think I kind of understood that like I didn't want to believe it, but I knew it was going to go on longer than we all thought. I was afraid mm. of that. So that was probably the hardest part because, you know, none of us really knew what to do. Like we all know now how to keep ourselves safe with hand sanitizer and masks. And we kind of, it's like, it's just normal to walk into a shop now and pop a mask on. But like stuff like yeah. that at the time. I just, but you're right. The fear, the fear yeah. back in March, it was mm. the unknown. It was, yeah. It was this thing that had, ju- you know, because we'd been hearing about Wuhan and the next thing it was on our shores and it was like, oh, what stop. is this going to mean? It's so. It was, it was really scary. It was scary. And also then to know that my dad was so unwell, I felt yeah. like I can't go to their house and I can't go out to Tesco, do my food shop, go to Centre, get some bits, come in and see my mum and dad. Like it's not safe. Yeah. So I really stayed on my own. And then, it was just weird like it was this everyone was just so confused and scared and uncertain anything around uncertainty I really struggle with I love like a calendar a plan you know yeah, and I yeah. was gradually crossing jobs off being like that's been cancelled that's been cancelled that trip's been cancelled this person isn't coming to Dublin anymore you know totally, that way yeah. so we were all there when you were just kind of left with this blank and it was different for everyone's career but like kind of just it was up to me I didn't have anyone saying you have to get up tomorrow or you have to, mm. you know, not have a glass of wine tonight or anything like that. So I kind of at the start was like, this is all right. Like I can do bits and stuff and <laughs> keep myself going. And in fairness, like the work was coming because people were like doing makeup demos at home and skincare demos and all that kind of stuff. But I felt like I was going on Instagram and I was like, if I see one more person meditating, making banana bread <laughs> or doing all this stuff, like yeah. it, it, I felt like everyone was coping so much better than me. And I was like, how are people doing these home workouts and like, you know, getting the motivation? But then I kind of fell in the trap of trying to do that. And so I was like, even though some days I was genuinely doing home workouts, but I could put up a picture of my workout mat and be like, yeah, this is great. And then lie in it and have a glass of wine. And who's going to know? Yeah. So then I was kind of like, you know, that made me go, maybe other people are just feeling this pressure to act like they're fine too. Yeah, maybe it's yeah, not. Yeah, so maybe all what it's it not what it seems. And gradually I saw people come on and they were starting to look more tired and on their stories and saying, you know, I'm actually not coping. And as much as I wanted everyone to get through it, it made me feel a little bit more, you know, a little bit better that other people were being honest. Yeah. Um because there's this I think a lot of people rely they get their self-worth from being busy. And a lot of people love keeping up that appearance online. Mm. So when you're used to traveling and being busy and going to events and all that kind of stuff and suddenly that's your job is kind of you know not possible I think people were going in overdrive with how productive they could be but then I think a lot of people were saying you know this lockdown is not a productivity competition you don't have to learn a new language you don't have to clear out your closet you just have to get through it yeah and survival yeah that was the most reassuring thing I ever saw and I was like you know what like things are bad enough without me turning on myself and beating myself up on top of all this so then I think kind of the turning point for me was April when I got my dog Max Mm. 
because I've grown up with dogs my whole life and I'm a dog's trust ambassador for 10 years and I was just saying to my parents like I think I'm going to foster a dog for a while and they were like you're definitely going to end up adopting him you know so at this point are your parents still in Ireland oh they moved sorry I left that big chunk out they moved to France in May okay so they were really gone but like the thing is I was happy for them to be there because I know that's like where my dad's at his happiest the French were taking it so seriously they had curfews and if you're out driving around you were fined on the spot so it was very very serious over there but I kind of like we had an emotional goodbye but I was like we'll be over at Christmas so it's fine okay and then at Christmas the flights would have meant we'd have to go Dublin to London we'd have had to do all these stops and I was like how can we go through all these airports when dad's not vaccinated and arrive and give him a hug yeah you know be around him for a week I was like we can't so we had this emotional like FaceTime with four of us and mum had already I was vegetarian at the time I only lasted like a year but um mum had been freezing all this vegetarian stuffing and like getting all the bits ready and you know making up setting up my room in France and she was so excited and I was I actually was the one who called it I was like we can't do this and she just started bawling crying and then my auntie June took me and Ben no she took me and Ben went to his girlfriends because I was your brother yeah sorry Ben's my brother and and I was with my cousins and stuff but my cousin Laura was actually working in ICU in in um, London so I took her seat at the table and then we were all FaceTiming and mum and dad were in France it was the weirdest Christmas I've ever had Um, but I was so grateful that my aunt and uncle took me in and I had my cousins and but I just remember on Stevens's day I was like you know what I think I'm gonna go home Mm -hmm. Um, even though they were like stay you know it's fine but I kind of even though they're my family I was like I want you guys to have your family time too and they were obviously like stay but I went home and I was just in the house on my own on Stephen's day and I just got a bottle of wine and I was like this is grim even though I knew there was people worse off um, but it's just that's the day where we'd all wear onesies in my house we'd watch Christmas movies we'd eat about like 50 selection boxes and just be Mm. cosy with the fire and the dogs and I think that just made me appreciate that more I think next Christmas please God like we're all just going to appreciate it so much more yeah so you haven't seen your folks since last May yeah so I think yeah it'll it'll be a year now and when you think I saw them every week um, it's just very strange and they haven't really given us France is still on the red list I think but things keep changing so my brother tried to book flights for the end of June and then they all got cancelled and I'm hoping that it's July but they are moving home in September but I would really like to get over to them Mm. Um, but it's just I've kind of got better at going like the amount of times we've tried to plan things in the last 14 months and they haven't happened so I've kind of gotten better going look just see what happens yeah yeah and mm-hmm. how's your dad doing now he's actually much better it's like really stable he, great. he looks great he's gained a bit of weight back and, and everything like that so I think in terms of where he's at he just needs to take a nap every day which he never had to sure. do before yeah. but he's very he's being very wise about it like he's not trying to fight it and being proud and saying I'm a man I don't need to have a nap he's like I'm off from a nap I'll be back so he's looking after himself yeah, which good. is great and like he knew something was wrong with him and he went to the doctor and I think there's so many people who we have this Irish mentality like I'm grand I don't want to cause a fuss and I always think like I really respect him for going something's not right I'm going to the doctor because yeah. anyone who's ever had any illness that's the one thing they tell you is like just if you know something's wrong go to the doctor and it sounds mm. simple but we are used to our lives being so fast paced that a lot of the times we don't stop and yeah, like check yeah. in yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so like yeah I'm just imagining like this time last year away from your folks you didn't know at that time how long it would be you were hoping to see them at Christmas then you get max but you have just moved in relatively only you're only a few months in in your new home and it's it despite having max you still have your your good days and your bad days. And you've been really open about speaking about your struggles with your own mental well-being. Yeah, I think that's, like I said earlier, the age that I found was the turning point for me was when I turned 24. And I was so down on myself back then. And I was on antidepressants. I was like doing a job I hated, like not feeling happy with my body. And I just, that's when I started to feel all that again was around that time. And I rang my doctor and she was like, if you want to go back on the antidepressants, if you think it's going to help, then, you know, definitely do. So I went back on those and just was trying to get through lockdown. But I just I think everyone when you don't have your family around you, you're in a new environment. You can't see your friends. You're not doing the work that you can possibly do or traveling or you. I felt like I'd lost a big chunk of myself. And I think a lot of people yeah, felt that yeah. in lockdown because yeah. you're like, who am I? What am I doing? I kind of just felt like I was. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In autopilot, just existing in the house on my own with my ring light and doing my work bits and not really seeing that many people. Um so yeah that was tough I actually really feel like when I look back at this time last year I'm just so much happier now and like I'm I'm really glad and I think that it's probably made a lot of us stronger to see you know and just to stop and like really appreciate things as they come again like being able to when we can sit inside a coffee shop and order a cup of tea with our friend or when we can actually you know just feel like we can make a plan with people and it'll happen you yeah. know but definitely yeah that was a dark time and I remember I did a big interview about it and I think a lot of people were surprised because I just randomly tweeted off the cuff one day how I was feeling and it got a huge response mm. and I think that, that do, you, do you mind can you remember the tweet yeah I think I had like posted a really smiley picture that my friend Ronan took of me and I was glad I met him he's my neighbor so me and Ronan had started to go for walks and I'd started to open up with him up with him and I'd been bawling crying yeah. and I was like oh, I actually haven't posted anything in ages will you take a picture of me I put my sunnies on and I smiled at my coffee cup and then afterwards I was looking at the picture and I was like oh my god like if you looked at that like I'm in a cute outfit my skin was glowing my hair was nice sure. but like I had my glasses on because I'd been crying so I just tweeted like you'd never really know looking by a picture looking at a picture how someone's really feeling like I only wore these because I was so upset today and really just feel so down and it was like usually I can sometimes go through times where I feel like I analyse my tweets and the amount I've deleted going oh god I don't know if that's going to offend someone you know the way things are now sometimes but I just tweeted it and lots of people got on to me and relatives were texting me journalists were texting me and I just remember I turned off my phone <laughs> because I was like oh my mm. god I felt like I was just so honest there um, but then you were so honest but you also spoke not just to so many people but for so many people mm. I think when you did that because how many how many not just women but men as well or boys or girls or whatever yeah were feeling the way you were feeling but maybe didn't have the bravery to do what you did yeah but you gave them a voice and even though obviously life is coming back which is great and you know there is major light at the end of the tunnel and and the vaccinations and all the rest we're still going to feel like the after effects of this for some time I that's what worries me and it's not something like I enjoy thinking about too much in a sense but I'm also like we are here and things are opening up, but I still don't know when I'm going to see my mum and dad. And mm. I also feel like I have a lot of friends who are in the entertain, like the entertainment industry, the restaurant industry or the beauty industry. And they're not going to open the door and everything's going to bounce back. Like it's a slog for people. Yeah. And there's going to be sadly a lot of people who will struggle to open their doors again. And, you know, that kind of thing scares me a lot. Um, But... I think that we have to take all the small wins as we go along. Um, but I think we're all just afraid. I don't think they can possibly put us into lockdown again. Yeah, I, don't I think just so don't think people will go for it. Like, I just, I don't totally think people agree. can take it, you know. No. And I think for me to be like 29 and, you know, I don't have kids. I don't have all that. Like, I remember seeing a woman standing outside a playground that was locked and her two toddlers were screaming to get in. They were so angry and upset about why they couldn't go in. And I was like, that is horrific. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. so there it, there were so many moments where I was like, I am actually so lucky to only have to look after myself and worry about myself. But um, yeah, it's just it's been an absolute roller coaster. Like, mm. and I love I do love when people are honest about it. And I like, you know, if someone starts telling me about a mental breakdown they had during lockdown, I really appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> Thank yeah, you. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because we feel less alone when we hear that. Mm-hmm. So you're dating Jamie now. Yeah. And all is going well. But before before you guys started going out, 
you were you were single. Were you mingling online or what was that was like for you? I was mingling. But say, I mean, at a social is, distance. I, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was wearing a mask the whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, because how do you date in a pandemic? I know. Well, I'm lucky in Stony Badder. There's so many young people that all drink outside on the streets. Okay, yeah. So like when the sun came out, everyone was just out like, oh, we just have a glass of rosy and people would put a chair at the front of the house. And then one time me and my friend Ronan were in my garden, which is like the size of the table. It's tiny. But he could yeah. hear a group of girls on one of the roofs behind us. And he's like, I think that's my friend Megan. And he rang her and her phone started ringing. And she was like, hello? <laughs> <laughs> so then we were like, where are you? Can we come? So now I made all these friends like through Ronan. So it's been really nice. And Great. then I did meet a few people through them and I kind of was on the apps and I went on a few dates like, you know, but I just wasn't that into anyone. And I also felt like I was kind of just trying to like, I was kind of like, why didn't I know this was coming? I would have gotten into a relationship before. <laughs> so I was kind of trying to just make things work that weren't for me. And um, so, yeah, yeah, then I was just like, Do you know what? And it's weird because I always like, I'm really strict with my friends who no matter how long they've been single I hate when girls are like all men are dicks like you know you know I don't care like that and I'm like first of all you do care you want to fall in love and you want to find someone that makes you happy Mm. secondly no not all men are dicks do you know and like I think I grew up with a dad that was so loving and supportive and stable and you know just amazing my brother's amazing so to grow up I'm so lucky to grow up with the two of them that always gave me a sense of like hope hope and like Mm. my mum and dad fell in love on a whim and got engaged three months later no three weeks later sorry really three weeks later and they're married like 30 years or something so I've always had this kind of not a Disney view of it because I can be kind of cutthroat when it comes to dating if I just randomly stop liking someone then I'm I can't check back in yeah so um but then yeah I was on the apps and you do believe in love and romance and that it can happen yeah yeah and I think you have to keep your standards high and that's not about what they drive or what they do that's just about what you want from someone and sure. I really think it has to be 50 50 in what you put in with any kind of friendship or I think because I'm a Libra I hate when things are unfair so mm. if I feel like I'm in a one-sided friendship and I'm like you know what I'm always like remembering her birthday or doing this for her or letting her talk about things for an hour on the phone but she's not asking me how I am that's when I start to feel uncomfortable but that's why I think in relationships it's so important to be balanced um but anyway yeah. long story short me and Jamie matched online at the end of September and we were just talking for a while and then he asked me out but we were able to go out for a nine euro meal at that time oh yeah yeah so we had a short window where the bars were still open and so we went out for dinner and drinks and yeah then we kind of started doing more like outdoor wholesome dates which I hadn't really done before so it was nice to see nature yeah do you know what (laughs) am I right in thinking I mean it does sound challenging but in some ways is it is it a positive as in you know you you don't have this pressure because Mm -hmm. you're you're meant to keep your your distance exactly yeah and it's funny because obviously the first date we had a few drinks and stuff but then the second one's like we were just out and about and also I was slightly mental at the time as well and I don't know I think I had no filter and I was in gym gear with barely any makeup walking through the woods so it's like the (laughs) most kind of natural version of myself he could have met and I didn't have the pretenses of like oh I have this job next week and then I'm going to London and you know the kind of stuff you might have thought was cool but it was just me oh that's much better yeah and because you're really coming to the table as yourself rather than putting your best before exactly and I think the most kind of I remember my friend Jack had moved in for a few weeks and I think trying to live with a friend for during the pandemic it just didn't go well and I think that was when I just like had a proper just like I didn't know Jamie that long I burst out crying in front of him on Sandy Mount Strand and I was just like I just feel like and I just went on this kind of rant and he just like listened to me which is great at the start because you know sometimes you feel like you're not being listened to in relationships and he just gave me a hug and a kiss in the head and he was like it's gonna be okay and I was like yeah actually He kind of just calmed me in that second. And after he said that, even though he didn't say anything like outrageously wise, it just made me so calm. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, it actually is in the grand scheme of things. Everything will be fine. Mm. So I think that it was definitely the most kind of stripped back version of me that's ever gone into a relationship. And I think that's why we kind of got to know each other so quickly. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's I'm uh, like I'm <laughs> I'm not exactly planning the hat or anything, but I'm ex- <laughs> I'm excited because I think that's a really healthy place to begin a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because I think we've probably a lot of us have been there before, where we try to you know kind of portray this perfect idea. This mm-hmm. is the perfect me, and then inevitably, as a relationship goes on, you really get to know what the person is like. Yeah. But it's far healthier if you're starting off as exactly. this is the me you'll get to know a yeah. few weeks, months down the road. Literally. This is me from the beginning. I know, exactly. Like, so I couldn't believe it the way it went. And I like, I don't know, I just 
it was a real turning point for me and I never want to put all my happiness in anyone's hands sure I know that I'll be always fine on my own no matter what happens but it's so nice to be able to have someone to share all this with and the highs and lows and to feel like you're kind of in a bit of a team and just kind of have someone because I think that period where I was really alone for that part of the pandemic and in fairness I was kind of single on and off for like six years Mm. I wouldn't I wasn't in any serious relationships for that time so it was kind of all very new to me but it definitely gave us this weird little time where we weren't out for dinners all the time we weren't thrown into our friends groups we didn't have the pressure to Mm. do all these cool dates like we just kind of had real quality time together um so that was nice yeah and then obviously he was in Cork for he's from Cork so he was in Cork for Christmas so we managed to kind of we went away for New Year's even though the travel ban came out on New Year's Day and we were still in the place so it was actually grand no one said anything we just drove home the next day yeah yeah didn't didn't kill anyone yeah no I think hey I think that was a situation (laughs) for a lot of people as well at the time um something you said to me that I absolutely loved because we hear a lot about like having setting goals setting intentions having plans and it's important to look ahead and while there's a time and a place for that, mm-hmm. you said that you're not really a five year plan kind of gal. Yeah. No. I'd love to talk about this. Yeah, I've never been that way. And I think I have had friends over the years um, who have been so strict with themselves of like thinking, no, I have to get, you know, get the ring, like get the ring by this age, the big wedding, have my first baby by this age. And I think it's weirdly a lot of them, the pressure was coming from their mums and stuff, but it was also coming just from their friend groups. And I don't know, I was always like, why? I used to always just say, why though? Like, mm. what happens if you meet him at 35 instead of 25? Do you want to just pick some random or 25 because you feel like that's the year you're supposed to? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, what is this mad rush? I was like, do you think lads sit around panicking about when they're going to propose to someone? They don't give a shit. No. So like, I know that there's a biological clock and all of that kind of thing comes into it. And, you know, women, you know, you can set goals and have aspirations, but... I think it's just so much pressure because what do you do if you're two years into your five-year plan and you haven't even you're not where you wanted to be you know you're only going to set yourself up for anxiety and I think that like when you start to get desperate I know this sounds bad but like men can smell desperation off women if you're right there trying to find a man they're like oh Jesus here she comes like they know so I think it's a big turnoff yeah it's a big turnoff and I think that like you just have to try and chill um so yeah I I feel bad it's not something if I ever did have a daughter it's not something I'd ever want her to feel that kind of pressure and I think whenever I get messages on Instagram it's girls going you know I just haven't met anyone and a lot of my friends are getting engaged and you know I'm 27 I'm like you're 27 like you're still so young so young but a big thing I've noticed and that's something I'd like to work on in the future is that like a lot of girls who are in a friend group where a lot of their friends are getting engaged or having babies or saving for a mortgage or whatever and they're not there yet they start to feel left at the side and there's all these girls that have reached out to me that are like you know they don't want to go out with me anymore I don't have anyone to be my wing woman you know I don't know how to meet new people so it's kind of I think it's I think if you are really happy in a relationship and you're in love and everything don't forget about your single friends you know definitely still arrange to go for dinner with them still include them at dinner parties you know when we can and that kind of thing because you kind of how else are they supposed to meet someone or have someone it's not like you can just be with your single friends when you're single and then you're like bye and that definitely seems to happen but I do feel for a lot of girls or women as well that are just you know living in a more remote part of Ireland during the pandemic and they do have that pressure on themselves and they just feel like the last year has been wasted yeah so it's tough like it definitely is and and I'm not saying this is like oh I'm so smug now that I have a boyfriend this was genuinely no, always I how I thought yeah like I, I did enjoy aspects of being single too mm. and that's one thing because I don't know why but people always come to me for relationship advice in Instagram when they've just been broken up with and even though I'm not single anymore but they're like I don't know what to do now and all that and I'm like you need to enjoy this window where you can do your self-care your baths you can read you can hang out with your friends you can not shave your legs if you don't like you can just yeah, you don't yeah, have yeah, yeah. you know not that you can't have hairy legs if you're in a relationship <laughs> but you know um <laughs> but um I just kind of think it's important to have that window and that's a really shaping time for I like completely agree isn't it sometimes when I would get to a point where I was getting kind of serious with someone if I wasn't 100% into it I was like I have actually too much to sacrifice because I love being on my own do I really want to commit to this if it's not what I really want so that's why I was like nah bye so in terms of self-care you've already touched on things throughout the chat um, but I know you're a big fan of you know minding yourself facials Mm -hmm. you know nice treatments I've heard you speak before about lighting candles incense and just having your home lovely but also we see you uh, going for a dip in the sea so that's a big thing yeah 
I know. I was actually in the sea this morning. Oh, were you? Um, Brilliant. I was, but it was very cold. And it's funny because it's not something I actually wake up like oh my god I can't wait to get in the sea yeah okay I'm just like driving along being like Jesus I'm actually doing this for the whole drive <laughs> and then I get in and I, it just completely it gives you that rush and the adrenaline thing and I think at the moment because we're not able to like go to a mad night, nightclub or lift heavy in the gym you kind of miss that adrenaline yeah. so like I kind of jumped in it was nice and my boyfriend was like she only went up into like here my I did the dunk um yeah. but it definitely I do enjoy it but like so you, it's 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 beforehand you dread it but then after as you feel brilliant yeah I feel so and, yeah it and is great because it? I I was had like I was afraid of my swimming teacher growing up she was really scary so I tried to stay in the shallow end for as long as I could even though I was so much taller than the other kids yeah and because he was a really nice teacher in the shallow end and I was like no <laughs> honestly my mom was scarlet because I was there with like lanky like just <laughs> so eventually I went to the deep end and I just was so scared of her so I'm a little bit nervous in the sea and yeah okay if my feet slip off the ground and I can't feel the ground I just have this weird panic that I'm gonna sink mm-hmm. so for me that sounds mad but when I get out I'm so proud of myself because I've done something I'm afraid of yeah that's how I've started my day so like it's not something I do every day but probably now every week at least once um I'll do it now that it's nicer out but like you said I think if you were to ask me when am I at my absolute happiest it would be the house is like dimly lit candles incense I've just exfoliated my entire body I'm in a dressing gown like headband face mask little cooling pads under my eyes painting my nails watching I just finished Desperate Housewives but I was, was re-watching it with Max on my lap and I'm just so content in that moment like yeah and I think that it's just such a nice because you're doing it for yourself and it's just really proper self-care and obviously now I went for my first facial yesterday which was brilliant to be able to go back and do it. But Mm. I do also think that I've enjoyed doing it all myself. Yeah, it's surprising how much we can do ourselves at home. I know, yeah, tinting your brows, doing everything. Yeah, Yeah. Last question. Mm -hmm. What has been your biggest learning of this time or lesson that you've learned? I think for me, it, and I was only thinking about this in the car, I was like, I actually think that we all only have so much energy I think every day and I never realized how important it was what you choose to give your energy to and I think I was I think like I don't I'm not friends with the same people I was friends with at the start of this like as in I am with some of them but some mm. of my friendships definitely suffered and there's people I haven't really been speaking to since this started because we kind of fell out or we had different approaches to this or you know so I kind of actually think that this has taught me that it's who you surround yourself with is so important yeah and I think I relied on that more because I didn't have my parents to lean on so I was like oh no I really have to be careful who I'm around because if I'm with someone who makes me anxious or if I have a friend that's kind of always kind of getting sly digs in or you know when you're with people you feel like you have to watch what you're saying Mm. so I kind of I've kind of probably kept my circle really small and I'm with people who take me fully as I am and I can just relax with them and know that they support me and I support them so I think I just look for quality over quantity with everything now yeah well that just goes back to what we started the conversation with which is just being fully yourself so I think if if anyone listening and there's so much that we can probably learn from you but uh, I would have personally loved to have heard this conversation when I was in my 20s. I think I would have taken so much from it, you know, uh, should have, would have, could have. Anyway, <laughs> I will put it in a time capsule and go back in time and present it to my 20, yeah. 29 year old self. And warn us all about the pandemic <laughs> while you're there. God, be like, what? All joking aside, I think I think that's a great message to just be yourself. And if you struggle with it, because there are plenty of people that really mm. struggle. And I was one of those. The more you lean into it and the more you listen, as you said, you said a counsellor said to you once, like every time you say yes to something you don't want to do, you're saying no to to Holly. You're saying Mm -hmm. no to yourself. So that's it's a really good reminder to just do what's right for you, because ultimately, if you do, it'll be the right thing for your life and for those around you, I feel. Uh, Definitely, because you'd be begrudgingly doing things and that's, you know, not right either. Yeah. Thank you. I Holly. could stay and chat for hours. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's been so lovely. I've, As I said to you a million times, I've been a fan of yours. So I, I, this chat did not disappoint. So thank you and the very best luck with everything. Thanks so much. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a rating or a little comment on Apple or by clicking follow on Spotify. I'd be so grateful. You've been listening to Ready To Be Real Conversations. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.